0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Secular Buddhism Podcast. This is episode number 161. I am your host, Noah Roshetta, and today I'm going to talk about the Backwards Law. As always, keep in mind you don't need to use what you learn from Buddhism to be a Buddhist. You can use what you learn to simply be a better whatever you already are. If you are interested in learning more about Buddhism, you can check out my book, No Nonsense Buddhism for Beginners, available on Amazon, or listen to the first five episodes of the podcast. And you can find those five episodes easily by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking on the Start Here link. If you're looking for a community to practice with and to interact with, consider becoming a patron and supporting the podcast by visiting secularbuddhism.com and clicking the link to join our community. So for today's podcast episode, I want to start out doing a little thought experiment. I would like for you to try really hard right now to avoid picturing a pink elephant in your mind. So if you're ready, Please do not under any circumstances visualize or think of a pink elephant in your mind. Were you able to succeed? Odds are, the moment I said to not think of it, you did think of it, because you had to think of it to not think of it, right? And this is what is sometimes referred to as the pink elephant simile. And the idea of this notion of the pink elephant is that the more you try to not think of it, the more you end up thinking of it. And the more you try to get rid of the thought, the more the thought persists. And I think this pink elephant can represent, um, from the Buddhist perspective of, of taking this lesson, uh, the, the idea of dissatisfaction. The harder we try to be less dissatisfied, the more dissatisfied we become. Uh, If we're trying to be more happy, could it be that trying so hard is exactly the reason why we are not happy? This dilemma is sometimes referred to as the law of reversed effort, or as Alan Watts called it, the backwards law. And that's why I selected that as the topic for the podcast for today. I think it's a really neat concept, and I want to share some of my thoughts regarding the backwards law. So the backwards law proposes that the more we chase after something, the more difficult it becomes to catch it, and the more disappointed we'll feel because we haven't caught it. In other words, the harder we try, the less likely we are to succeed. And this seems to go against everything that our culture tells us, everything that society tells us. We see it in movies and in the stories that we have all across time, that if we Try hard enough, we might actually get the thing that we want. And I want to be clear as I talk about this concept, I'm not talking about uh, self-help or career goals or striving for what we could call worldly things. I'm talking about the Buddhist perspective on this topic. And that is the idea that dissatisfaction is what arises when we want things to be other than how they are. Wanting to avoid discomfort in life being the biggest of these desires. And we want life to go just how we want it to go. So using this analogy of the pink elephant, if we want to stop thinking about it, uh, we have to stop wanting to not think about it. And that's kind of the uh, the situation that we're in with this backwards law. We give up the desire to get rid of the image in our minds and then the thought with time, like a cloud that appears, uh, lingers, and then, um, and then disappears in the sky, that thought of the pink elephant, likewise, will eventually dissipate. So how does this concept of the backwards law work in practice? How exactly do we get what we want by uh, not trying to get what we want? Even saying that seems almost ridiculous and a little bit absurd. And remember, this is not about the worldly things uh, like money or if you want a nicer car. Or just as an example, let's say I decide I want to be able to run in a marathon. There are things that I can do that will make it more likely for me to achieve that goal. I can start exercising. uh, I can train. I can prepare myself. And then eventually I can run the marathon and I will be more likely to succeed at it uh, because I had the desire to do it. So I'm not referring to that type of craving or that type of desire. Uh, I don't think we need to relate the backwards law to things like that. It, It applies to the deeper things, the things that we truly want in life. And here's the dilemma. What is it that we truly want in life? Well, that may be the very start of our problem. We don't really know what we want. Uh, We just know that we want things to be other than how they are. And this is a dilemma. Alan Watts said, uh, Why don't you really know what you want? Two reasons that you don't really know what you want. Number one, you have it. Number two, you don't know yourself because you never can. Just as a knife doesn't cut itself, Fire doesn't burn itself, and light doesn't illuminate itself. Close quote. So here the here we find this dilemma again. If I am the observer, can I truly observe myself? Because observing is what I do. And I tried to point to this in a previous podcast episode uh, with this notion of if you could ever open up your mind and peek to see what's behind the curtains what would you actually see? And I think I would see myself peeking behind the curtains looking to see for what I would actually see, right? That's the dilemma that we're in, and that uh, is in essence the this concept of the backwards law. How do we actually get the thing that we really want? So what if what we're seeking is actually obscured by our search for the thing that we're seeking? Very much like that light that's trying to illuminate itself. We think uh, that not finding whatever it is we're looking for is the problem. But what if it's the searching itself that's the problem? Alan Watts, I think, talked about this in one of his lectures once where he, he mentions when we try to fall asleep, sometimes the very effort of trying to fall asleep may be what keeps us awake, right? The, the effort that we exert to try to fall asleep fall asleep actually keeps us awake. Well, what if it works like this with searching? We may be looking for something that can't be found. And I think this is, again, what I meant in a podcast episode where I talked about the pursuit of happiness. Happiness is a good example here. There's the pursuit of happiness, and then there's freedom from the pursuit of happiness. And when we no longer pursue happiness, that's when we're actually finally free to experience it, because we can experience whatever it is we're experiencing in that moment. And that's what this backwards law is all about. If you want to get comfortable with being alive, then stop running from discomfort. We don't become more comfortable by eliminating discomfort. We achieve it by becoming more comfortable with discomfort. That is the backwards law. And our society seems to have placed this strange message in our psyche. I don't know if it's a cultural thing, I don't know exactly where we get this, but there's this sense that something is missing. You lack something and if you can ever obtain it, then the thing that you're lacking, then life is gonna be good. So meanwhile, you just keep trying really hard to find that thing that's missing. We might go chasing after it, thinking it's money or fame or power, love or happiness, or from the Buddhist perspective, the elimination of discomfort. But what if, what if we can't find it? Mark Manson, in his book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, says, pursuing something only reinforces the fact that you lack it in the first place. Perhaps that's the problem that arises, uh, is when we start to sense that something is lacking in life. This is where I think being present and practicing acceptance become such powerful tools. We often find ourselves in the present moment, and we find that in the present moment, it seems like the present moment is not enough. Something is missing. But we don't know what's missing because, again, we don't really know ourselves all that well. It's kind of like the story of a a person who's going to visit the oracle. There's an oracle that can answer any question you bring, uh, but the key is you have to bring the right question. If you don't bring the right question, the oracle won't answer. And you only get one chance, one, one question to ask. So everybody comes and visits and, and has their question. And uh, you know if you decide you're going to go visit this oracle, uh, perhaps the most important question that you can ask is, what is the question I should ask? And that would actually be the question that you would ask the oracle as well. Uh, That's the only logical question. And that, in a roundabout way, is this notion of the backwards law. That's what makes it backwards. If you want to know what to ask, then what you need to know is what to ask. What is the question I should ask is, to me, very similar to what is it that I'm actually looking for? I think there's a lot of wisdom in this way of thinking when we're trying to be introspective. So, with this, um, what, what do we do? What, how do we get out of this dilemma? Well, consider a couple of things. One, uh, if you try to be perfect, that uh, trying to be perfect insinuates at once that you are imperfect, right? But if you come to accept imperfection, then you can start to feel perfect just as you are. Now, isn't that something to be able to use this backwards law and the concept of striving. If you try to not be lonely, you'll feel miserable all by yourself. But if you accept loneliness, you can befriend that feeling and you'll actually welcome it like an old friend and you won't feel alone when you're sitting with it. Isn't that crazy? And The key to this concept lies in understanding that when we accept the negative experience, it becomes a positive experience but when we fight the negative experience we end up suffering twice once for the experience itself and another time for not wanting to be exper- to be experiencing the experience that we're having mark manson again in his book says the desire for a more positive experience is itself a negative experience and paradoxically the acceptance of one's negative experience is itself a positive experience. I think that summarizes quite well this notion of the backwards law. In Zen Buddhism, there's a, a little story, an analogy that I think fits well here with this notion of the backwards law and the dilemma that we have of how do we how do we not try? How, what is non-striving? And the analogy here, the story is that if you were to take a jar with uh, muddy water in it and it stays agitated, you can't can't clear the water by agitating the jar. In fact, the agitation of the jar is what keeps the water murky and cloudy. But if you put it down and you leave it alone and you quit trying, with time that water becomes clear as the sediment in the water uh, uh, falls to the bottom, right? And that's where this notion of not trying kicks in. And I think it's important to illustrate here that in the act of putting the jar down you're actually doing something you're leaving it alone so that that's a form of action it's a form of action that on the surface seems like inaction but it isn't it's the action of not doing something is doing something and that's what happens with the jar of of murky water i'm going to put it down i'm going to leave it alone and that's the thing that i'm doing i'm i'm leaving it alone so that's uh, the backwards law, and I think this analogy works well when I start to think about the relationship I have with my own thoughts, with my own feelings, with my own emotions, the ones that I uh, welcome to the table, uh, the ones that in the past I used to fight and, and shoo them away. And then this backwards law comes in and I realize, again, this is echoed in other Buddhist stories, right? The thing that you're fighting gets stronger. And what makes it fought, uh, stronger is that you're fighting it. That's what gives it strength. The more you fight it, the stronger it becomes. That's the whole story of the sticky hair monster, right? And <laughs> the Buddhist story of, of sticky hair monster, I think fits really well with this notion as well. But what happens if I stop fighting? Uh, again, this is the action of non-action, which is an action. And I'm not doing anything. And it takes it takes effort to not do anything. Or perhaps we could call the skillful effort, finding that middle way. It's uh, somewhere in between I'm trying too hard and I'm not trying hard enough. Um, there is this notion that sometimes not trying is a form of trying. And that might that may be the skillful way to try. And I think that's what this law or this concept is trying to help us understand. And I think it gets really uh, powerful when you think about this in the context of pursuing happiness for example or pursuing the thing that we think that we want often without really even knowing what is the real thing that I actually want. So I hope this gives you some thought something to carry with you throughout the week. Um, I do want to end this with a quote from Alan Watts that I think fits really well. Well, Actually I'll, I'll end it with a story first. And then I'll end it with a quote. But the story, I think I referenced this on a podcast. This happened many years ago when we had um, Jonah, our foreign exchange student from Germany. He occasionally listens to the podcast. So, hi, Jonah, if you listen to this, uh, perhaps you'll recall this story. But Jonah and I were playing tennis once. And Jonah had told me that, you know, he's a really good tennis player. And I I dabbled with tennis. Um, I'm a decent player. So we went to play tennis. And as the match started, uh, tennis is one of those games. uh, I guess other games are like this, but in tennis for sure, you can win because you are uh, superior in skill to the person that you're playing against. But you can also lose because you're trying too hard. And that's exactly what was happening to Jonah for the first half of our game. I think because he had already told me he was better than me, he wanted to send that very clear message, he was trying the trick shots and doing all the things, and if he didn't hit it quite right, then he would hit the net, he would lose the point, so here we were where I'm actually winning, but it's not that I'm winning, it's that he's losing, you know, there's a difference, it's not that I had the good hit, it's that he had a bad hit, and his bad hit gives me a point. And somewhere through the match, in frustration, he said, you told me you're, you're not that good at tennis. Why How are you beating me? And I laughed and I said, it's because I'm not trying to beat you. I said, you're trying to beat me, which is why you're not beating me. I said, quit trying to beat me. Just play tennis the way that you play. You're a better player than me. Don't try the trick shots. Just try your normal tennis. And that was the game changer. Halfway through the match, suddenly he was much better than me. He was hitting the ball the normal way and, uh, and I couldn't keep up. And he ended up winning the overall match. And that experience uh, stuck with me. I think that is exactly what this notion of the backwards law is. Here Jonah was trying too hard. He was trying to win. And all he had to do is just play, play the game. was going to beat me if we played the game but he struggled to beat me if he was going to try to beat me because he was beating himself and that's the irony in this that's the backwards law and i think it goes hand in hand with this quote that i want to end with by alan watts where he says the mystery of life is not a problem to be solved but a reality to be experienced i think if we can think about that and approach life as an experience i've mentioned this again yeah, in a previous podcast episode with the notion of the game of emotions you know if i if i look at life as something to be experienced every experience that arises every tetris piece that shows up is the right piece i may not like the piece it doesn't have to mean that you like everything it may be an unpleasant thing but the point wasn't to get more of the pleasant and less of the unpleasant the point was to experience the full range and then you can suddenly find yourself having life experiences and a sense of joy and gratitude for the experience because of the uniqueness of the experience, not because of the pleasantness or unpleasantness. And I've experienced this recently, going through uh, stages of loss of a friend, loss of my my dad. Um, you know, these are these are very meaningful milestones in life. And I'm grateful that I know what this feels like. The, the sorrow and the pain that you feel when you lose someone that you love, it's not pleasant, but it's actually a beautiful thing. I didn't know what that felt like before. And perhaps I'll have to feel that again at some point in life, because that's the way life is, right? Never know who you're going to lose. Um, but what I do know is I feel a sense of joy and a sense of gratitude for the fact that I am here, experiencing it at all. And as Alan Watts says, that to me is the mystery of life. It's not a problem to be solved. It's not an equation I need to master. It's a reality that I get to experience, and here I am experiencing it. And the backwards law can be one of those concepts that helps you to experience it in a more skillful way, very much like playing the game of tennis without trying to win ironically in that process of not trying to win you're going to do better than if you are so those are the thoughts i wanted to share with you and i hope that these uh, thoughts give you something to think about throughout the week and that's all i have for this podcast episode but i look forward to sharing more thoughts in a future podcast episode thank you for taking the time to be here and to listen until next time